Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. So glad you joined me here today. And I'm excited for the episode you guys are about to hear with Lee Cockrell. I'm coming on to let you know that the audio, unfortunately, on this podcast had a little bit of a glitch in it. We were not able, for some reason, to get our software to sync up. In fact, we tried this on two separate occasions and then even had to revert to a completely different software to record this on than I'm normally used to. So it doesn't sound as crisp as your normal Success 101 podcast episodes, but I didn't want you guys to miss out on this one due to the incredible leadership and time management advice that Lee brings your way on the show today. In fact, this was one of my favorite podcasts to date believe it or not, because I've had a ton of great guests on, but the advice in this one is not to be missed. My team has been working on this since we recorded it, and we have it ready for you guys today. I just wanted to let you guys know about the sound before we dive in, so here we go. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, Jared Warren here. I'm so excited about today's guest, whose name is Lee Cockrell. Lee's story is amazing in many facets, but especially since he is the former Executive Vice President of Operations for the Walt Disney World Resorts. As you'll hear in our episode today, Lee was in charge of over 40,000 members of Disney, was responsible for the operations of more than 20 resort hotels, as well as multiple other Disney theme parks and water parks worldwide, and the ESPN Sports and Recreation Complex. What? And you thought your leadership position was tough. I did say 40,000 members of Disney, one of the most perfectly run organizations in the entire world, which shows that Lee is a true leader who has done so much in his lifetime. You'll hear us talk today about leadership and time management, hiring the right people, and how to recognize that some people must go for the good of the organization. We also talk through how Lee organizes his thoughts and actions with a paper planner still to this day, and why he teaches this is key for success even in a digital screen world. I was fortunate to be able to get Lee on the podcast right as he was releasing his Time Magic Seminar. Guys, Lee is a master at time blocking an organization, and many of his books speak to that, which really impacted me and why I wanted to get him on the show. But I want you guys to have the link for the course. I will link it up in show notes, but it is timemagicseminar.com. Again, timemagicseminar.com. Get more done every day and move from surviving to thriving. Head over to that link and enroll in his course today as it was just released last week and get on track with organization and time management today. Guys, as I mentioned, I'm so excited to bring this episode to you guys today. So without any further delay, let's cut right to my conversation with the one and only Lee Cockrell. Lee Cockrell, welcome to the Success 101 podcast. It's an honor to have you on. How are things today? Oh, they're great. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. 
Well, I'm excited to get you here, and I know my listeners are going to take a lot away from this, just from your systems and your processes that you have spent a career primarily around uh, with Disney, as far as I can tell, but some things before that also that helped build you into the guy you are today. And so I'd love for you, before we dive into our time blocking or our leadership uh, qualities, the things we're going to dive into, I'd love for you to take my listeners back as far as you want to go and just tell us about your track record of uh, where you came from in the business world and how you got to Disney, what you were doing before then, and then what endeavors you're doing today that are just helping people that follow you really get their life in order. Yeah, sure. I Well, I grew up in Oklahoma on a little farm, and that's where you learn to work hard, and uh, we were poor as could be. I tell everybody my mother was married five times. She was a busy lady, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I got adopted twice by the different husbands and got my name Cockrell when I was 16. And number four had money, so I got to go to college, but I forgot to go to class. So I flunked out of there and went in the Army in 1965. And uh, when I got out of the Army, I went to Washington, D.C. and got a job with Hilton Hotels at the brand-new Washington Hilton, which opened then. And that's the hotel where John Hinckley you know, shot President Reagan way back I worked there for a few years, and I was a banquet waiter. I got promoted uh, into a management training program. I met my wife there. She was in the office next to mine where she came and used my pencil sharpener, and that was my lucky day. So uh, (laughs) then I uh, stayed with Hilton for eight years. I worked in Chicago. I worked in the Waldorf Astoria in New York, Terrytown, New York, Los Angeles. Then I ran into a boss I didn't get along with, and I quit. Went to a little hotel out in um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and got fired after 90 days because the place went bankrupt. And uh, I learned there to listen to my wife. She told me not to go, and I went anyway. And so after that, I joined Marriott, and I had a great career there. I stayed with Marriott 17 years, became vice president of food and beverage for them. And then in 1990, I got recruited by Disney to go to France and open Disneyland Paris. And did that for three years. Then I was brought back to Orlando. I ran all the operations at Walt Disney World for about 10 years. Well, that's great. Uh, What a resume there. And what I would ask is, I just want to take a step back here really quickly and uh, ask about just a small town boy from Oklahoma (laughs) that went through a lot of changes within the family. You know, that can can set people's mindset from a young age, uh, just set them on a a course to just not having a, a lot of values or not valuing family maybe or things like that. Uh, did you ever dream going from Oklahoma in the small town to France working with Disney? I mean, I, I'd love to know what it was naturally in your mindset that got you from point A to point B. And I know it's a lot of little small changes that cause it a compound effect, as I'm sure you'd say. But just, you know, there's a lot of people that you grew up around in that small town of Oklahoma that likely did not do those sort of things. What do you think about you was different that made you set out and conquer new things in the world that others weren't doing? Well, I, uh, you know, I think when I went off to the army, that was, I, that was the first time I left Oklahoma. I was born there and never stepped out foot out of Oklahoma till I was 20 years old. Never been anywhere, never been on vacation, never stayed in a hotel. I think I ate in a restaurant once, but it had, uh, paper napkins. <laughs> so, oh, wow. What part of Oklahoma are you from? I grew up, I was born in Bartlesville up North and raised in Ardmore, which is a little town around, uh, about 90 miles north of Dallas, Texas. Oh, yeah. I'm in Dallas. I'm in Dallas right now. So. Okay. So you know where Ardmore is. I think there's yep, a down road now and all that. But anyway, I don't know. I just, um, my brother and I both were pretty successful. He's an orthopedic surgeon. He broke out of Oklahoma and did his thing in Michigan. And I just, uh, had, I, got, I met a guy in the Army. He said, you want to go to Washington with me? And I said, sure. And I, you know, when you're 20, uh, you, take, you can take any risk. And we went off to Washington and got a job. And after that, once I saw the big city, there was no going home. 
So I worked in Washington. I worked in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I worked in New York City, Los Angeles. And, you know, once you're, they always say you can't go home. Well, that's true. And uh, luckily, I met my wife. We've been married 48 years. So I'm getting the family average down a bit. And, uh, yeah, everything's working out well. And I think you change it. You got to decide whether you're going to change your family problems or not. So I've been married 48 years and didn't go through that one divorce after another. My son's been married 24 years, and I think we've broken that pattern. And uh, that's what we wanted to do. And our grandkids seem to be well adjusted. (laughs) Well, that's great. And, you know, it takes one generation to really break a pattern within a family that has, you know, people out there just have all kinds of issues that are different than what you or I or anybody else have gone through. But it takes one generation to break a pattern and another generation right behind them to adhere to those same patterns. And you can just change a lifetime of generations that are of, of people that are ahead to come. And I've just always thought that was a really neat thing that your impact and what you do, even with something like that, is going to impact generations after you. And that's a fascinating thing. So I know at one point when you were with Disney, I know the, the story I read on you, you were managing something like 40 or 50,000 people at one time. I'd love to know what that was like and how you got to a point of being in charge, number one, of that many people, because they don't put just anybody off the street in front of that many people and tell them that uh, that that's going to be their leader. But how you got to a position to get in front of that many people and get trusted with that huge responsibility and really just how you succeeded at doing that for quite a while with all the uh, intangibles that go along or the headaches that go along sometimes with managing different personalities and personnel. Yeah, well, you know, when I got into that management training program, I started uh, trying to fill in all my knowledge gaps by reading and listening to tapes and reading books on leadership and management and observing the people around me, how they managed and led. I had no clue how to be a manager. I got better and better at it, and I kind of absorbed it. I learn best by doing. So you put me in a job, I show me how to do it, then I can do it. I'm not so good in the classroom. I mean, I'd rather get experience, and that's what I did. And and so uh, as I went down that path, I just kept absorbing, absorbing. And when I got to Disney, I, I really became very good at time management. I've been teaching it for 35 years, a system on how to organize yourself, get things done, keep your promises, be reliable, be credible. And that system really took me to a new place. I would say two reasons I had a success was, number one, I have a really good positive attitude. When the boss says, come here and work seven days a week, I just smiled and said, no problem. And uh, I'm a very organized, so I'm very reliable. And I think most of my bosses love that. They could really count on me to come through and get it done. And uh, and I also have developed a need not to know everything. So I learned to just hire great people around me. So while I had 40,000 and 5,000 managers, I only had about six to eight people reporting to me. And I had great people. Uh, that's the key. Hire great people, train them, test them, and enforce your training and have a culture where everybody matters and life gets real easy. And uh, if you hire bad people, your life is going to be a disaster. And so that's that's the best thing I did. I'm very careful about who I brought into the organization. And, and I was very clear about what I expected from them and their responsibilities and their authority levels. And once you do that, uh, you get a pretty good team going. And I think we built good trust. With, they trusted me and I trusted them. And uh, that's kind of a simple formula for, I think, uh, any relationship. And just to camp out on that there for just a second, because I think there's some really key points there. And I think you were using some uh, humility there whenever you said, hey, I didn't know anything about managing or leading people. I would think that uh, unless you unless you're the brother of somebody that's in charge of doing that and you get the, you know, the brother deal or the brother-in-law deal, nobody's going to put you in front of 40,000 people 
if you don't know anything about management or leadership. And so <laughs> may, maybe you're being a little bit humble there, but I would say there was there had to be some qualities about you that yeah, somebody so saw in you to put you in front of that huge responsibility. What do you think, looking back on that, that was to give you that opportunity? Well, I think still- my reputation was out there. By the time I got asked to come to Disney World, they had seen me. They knew what I did at Marriott. A lot of the people at Disney were from Marriott, so I had a good reputation there. Then I went to France, and I did a really good job there. So they had, they had that feedback from Disney that Lee has his act together. And, and I had a lot of people, uh, that Disney people who I worked with when we opened Disneyland Paris, who I think were out there telling the executives in Orlando that you ought to bring this guy here. I think that was it. My own experience. I think my performance uh, kind of gave me the reputation that they could uh, th- that they could actually prove. They could see that I had done it before. And by then, and I did. I improved on every job. I learned. I made mistakes. I got better. I I uh, went from being a good manager to uh, and not a very good leader to being a really excellent manager and a great leader. And uh, I started treating people properly. And I quit intimidating people. And I started trusting people, all the things that I had trouble doing because I was so insecure from my own growing up. And uh, when you're insecure, you don't trust people very much. And I really had to work my way into that. I had to learn to do that. And that was that was hard. And I still have some problems with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's a really good lesson learned is that the qualities, even if you don't know something about a certain trait or aspect of, you know, like in your case, leadership and management and human resource skills and PR skills and those sort of things when you're dealing with people, it just goes to show you that you build out the other things in your life and you let people recognize what you're doing there and you gain some trust there and that bleeds out into putting you in charge of much bigger responsibilities. So that's a very, very good lesson for us to learn. With somebody in my organization a long time ago, whenever I started getting into leadership and I, I'd put myself, you know, on a much smaller level, of course, but in the same boat as you, you think, you know, or I did, I thought I know a lot about leadership and managing people and coaching people. And I kind of prided myself as a really good coach and could relate to people. And what I found is I'm, I'm just really, I'm a good coach to people who are really coachable. And I don't know that that makes me a good coach, right? <laughs> so the more, the more I've learned about leadership and the more I've learned about managing people and relating to people, the more I realize I don't know. And so I've learned uh, just, you got to be a lifelong student in that. It's a, and it's an experiment with every new opportunity. And somebody told me long ago, and I'd love your take on this, but they said, you know, the further up that you go ahead of the pack, you know, the further up you go ahead of the pack being a leader, the bigger bullseye you get on your back. People think they can do it better. You're constantly dealing with people who, uh, you know, they hadn't been there very long, but yet they think they can run the whole company and say things, you know, so much that you know that, that they're thinking that. So I would love to know, especially in Disney, where there is, you know, status quo is not good enough and people want things to be amazing and they want things always changing and that experience I'm sure you ran across a lot of people as their leader who thought they could do it a lot better. And you probably heard about that a lot. What was it that (laughs) kept you grounded and kept you, you know, in that positive attitude you mentioned to just keep moving forward as their leader and keep getting better and not discouraged and, uh, you know, just kind of throw your hands up? Well, I learned a long time ago that when you get promoted, everybody's not happy for you. And uh, (laughs) a lot of people thought they should have got the job. There's many reasons. Uh, I just, uh, I guess I think growing up in Oklahoma helped me to be grounded and have humility. I mean, that's just the way it was there. And you didn't go around being a big shot, you know, you know that old saying, you know, big hat, no cattle <laughs> and people go around. And, <laughs> and uh, so I have not I heard think, that before. That is really good. I've not heard yeah, that one. Big hat, no, no cattle. So I think uh, I just learned that uh, that humility paid off because it builds trust. And that's what I tried to focus on is building the trust. Because if you don't build the trust, you can't get anything done. 
that's hard for a lot of people and executives today. They're not taking the time to do that. They think it's all about technical expertise and uh, product and um, technology. And in fact, at the end, end of the day, it's about the people. You don't get the people going in the right direction and make, feeling them inspired and making sure they wake up in the morning, want to come to work versus have to come. You get in a tough situation. And I, I learned that. And uh, I really learned to let it go and to uh, and to really uh, kind of be. I didn't see myself as a boss. I, long ago, I started thinking of myself as a teacher. I figured if I teach people things, they'll do a great job. If I boss them around, they might do a good job when I'm standing there, but not all the time. And I that's the difference for me. We need more teachers and less bosses. And uh, I think any company, any organization, any family, you know, will be better off. And it's helped my marriage, too. <laughs> oh, man, I can't imagine. I can say the same, you know, just how you're handling things at work and, and people you're dealing with. And it's funny how it bleeds over into all of that as well. I would love to know from you, Lee, what culture means to you. I hear organizations all the time talk about culture and people write about culture and, you know, entrepreneurial magazines and things like that. I'm learning that culture is not everything. You know, as a financial advisor running a team of advisors here, a lot of them just young and off the college campus trying to build their careers and some of them older and veterans. But if you can build a culture as a director over an office like I am, I just thought that that would take care of a lot of things because if everyone's on the same page as far as holding each other accountable and we've got a great office environment where we're all just, you know, close and, and those sort of things, that'll make a lot of things go away. And what I've realized is, the culture many times is just a sweetener on top of people already doing the things they need to do. You can't implement culture and motivate somebody many times to work harder or get their production up. What would you say culture within an organization means for you and why that is important? And so many people are talking about it nowadays. Well, the reason the way I thought about culture is I people ask me what I did at Disney. And I said, well, my title was executive vice president of operations. But wait, my title should have been chief environmentalist. And they say, what's that mean? I said, you know, I had to think about how to use my time every day to do three things. I, I really focused on three things, making sure we were hiring and promoting the right people. We had great systems for that. I was very involved in that, making sure we were training people, testing them, and then enforcing the training. And the third thing was being a good role model that I set, that I focused on the culture every day. I, want, I was trying to create a culture and a maintain a culture where 40,000 people wake up in the morning, want to come to work because they're appreciated and they're included and listened to and involved and their opinion counts. They know they have opportunity to move up and they're going to get trained and they're going to get developed. That's the kind of things that gets people uh, wanting to do their job. And another thing I always thought about, and I want to make sure that everybody in our organization, all 40,000 of them, they know they matter. They matter and they know it. And we learn to give appreciation, recognition, encouragement. We everybody's important. We're we're interested in everybody's career. We want everybody to move up as far as they're able to, and then that's what becomes the culture: is uh, integrity, honesty, uh, telling people the truth, having those tough conversations with people when they're not performing, and even letting people leave the organization if they're not willing to kind of get into the culture and be a team player and be sure. somebody there for the customer and not for themselves. And it's complicated, as you know, and it takes a lot of work and you got to stay consistent and you got to be clear with people about what this culture is. This culture is a culture where we work together. We don't stab each other in the back. And if you do it, you're not going to be here. And we don't want any Lone Rangers around here. This is a team effort. And Disney's so complicated. If you don't work as a team, you get nothing done. I mean, I don't even think anybody can explain how it works. It's so complicated. So, uh, yeah. And so that's how I think about culture. And, and same at home. You know, the culture at home is 
you know, is it calm and quiet and safe? And uh, you don't say inappropriate things in front of your children and you don't say inappropriate things on the phone and then talk about those people when you hang up because your kids are listening and you build a culture of safety and uh, build their self-confidence and self-esteem and belief in yourself. Those are the kind of things that really matter. And I didn't have all that when I was growing up. And I can see the difference between me and my son. I mean, he is this kid is as confident as he can be. And he grew up in a family where he didn't hear all that nonsense of stuff about racism and discrimination. And every day, if you focus on the people, your people are your brand. No question. In no, your well, business, your people are your brand. No, anybody can do what you do. And but if you got the right people, you'll just do it so much better. And uh, that's how I think about it. anybody can open an amusement park, theme park, a hotel. A ho the only difference in a hotel are the people. That's it. The beds and the pillows are pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. That's right. Yeah. So so I'm hearing you say it comes down to having an extremely strong team around you, having the right people there, having the uh, positive outlook, as you mentioned, and then just having the culture where uh, everybody's on board. And if they're not, it's OK to get off. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We want to have a, a culture like that and uh, move people onto where they're most served and most happy. And we can keep the people in our organization that are the most happy. And then a high level of trust that comes along with all of that. I think it was in your book and I could be wrong. I, I've read Time Management Magic and I've read Creating Magic. And I think it was in Creating Magic. You said we've got to get really good on hiring slow and firing fast. Can you speak to that? <laughs> right. Can you speak to that and, and what you really meant by that? I think too many companies, they got a job opening, they go out there and they quickly hire somebody that's got a good resume and technical skills, but they don't get into the deep details of how that person's motivated. Are they going to be at work on time? Are they going to be have high energy? Are they going to have stamina? Can they take the pressure? And I at Disney, we take our time. We hire very slow. And uh, in fact, if we make a mistake, we deal with it and we fire them very quickly because we don't feel like we're firing them. We feel like they're firing themselves because we're 100% clear about our expectations for performance. And uh, so it's not my fault if you don't perform. It's your fault or if you don't come to work on time or you don't. So we don't have as much misery over that because we're so clear with people and we train people really, really well. So they don't have an excuse unless it's just their attitude or they don't care. So and it's not fair to other people to keep people in the organization or they're not pulling their weight. And it, we got a brand to protect like you do. We got a brand to protect and we can't have some crazy person out there being rude or not doing their job or looking sloppy or not combing their hair. I mean, that's our brand. Our people are our brand. And so that's why selection, I think, is the number one thing people have to worry about in their business. Be careful who you bring in. And then training a second, and then be a good role model for creating that culture. And if you can get those three things halfway right, you're going to be better than everybody else. Yeah, that's great. That is so good to hear as far as, uh, you know, laying out the expectations. So those people, it sounds like from what you're saying, if they get uh, let go, it's not because uh, it's not because of you. It's because the expectations were set clearly and they just chose not to abide by those. I heard very recently, and I think this will be good for the entrepreneurs out there or other leaders that are helping run a company. I can't even remember where I heard this. It was it was a little while ago. And uh, someone said that the best time to fire somebody is the moment you think you should fire somebody because too many people wait around and they think the situation's going to change and months and months of grief pass and probably wasted dollars and wasted time. And then they have to fire them and they say, I should have done that long ago. Do you agree with that? The moment you think you should fire someone, you should. Or is there some sort of period where you have seen in, your, in all of your time of managing so many people that you have that deep feeling, but then somebody can change and turn it around. 
Well, I'd say on balance, that's correct. I think uh, what happens is the reason we don't deal with that is because it's hard. People don't like to fire people. It's difficult. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of issues. And I think uh, we talk at Disney, you know, uh, everybody's on a 90-day probation. And then we tell the managers, those first 90 days, you pay attention. That person's not being great the first 30 days. They're not going to get any better. They're going to get worse. <laughs> right. And, and uh, so uh, I think that's absolutely right. I think your intuition and the facts can tell you a lot. And the more experience you have, the quicker you can pull on that. But I don't think it's an issue of not realizing it. I think it's an issue of trying to put off hard things and hope and pray and wish it gets better, which it won't usually. And yeah. now you can make a, you know, maybe there's some people you could sit down and have a hard conversation with and turn them around. But I'd re I said to Disney, you know, we don't uh, hire people and try to make them nice. We hire nice people. <laughs> it's a lot easier that way. Right. And, uh, so, and that's, uh, that, yeah, I think you're right on there. Yeah. And let's talk about motive. I want to get into the, the time blocking and the organizational systems from your book here in just one second. But, uh, you know, when you're managing that many people, there has to be some level of motivation as well. Uh, go back to the setting the role model or being the role model, as you just mentioned. I love the quote. I believe it was Bill Parcells at one time coaching the New England Patriots. And he said that he can't motivate players. And the media just kind of ate him all up and said, what do you mean? You're the coach. What do you mean you can't? You can motivate players better than anybody. He said, no, I can't motivate anybody. I can take a highly motivated player and I can help him learn the game at a higher level, but I can't motivate people. Would you say it's the same for leaders today who are trying to brighten up the culture or expand the culture or lead in a certain way when it comes to motivation? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can only motivate yourself. And I, uh, but we can create an environment and a culture where people find it easier than if they trust you to give you their best effort. And uh, it kind of becomes contagious. If you get into an organization and a culture that's really positive and you've never seen it before, it can click on for you. Say, wow, all the other places I've worked, I didn't get treated like this. I didn't feel like this. Nobody treated me this great. Nobody knew anything about me. So, you know, I mean, you might bring out the best of people by having the right culture, but I don't think you can inspire people to do the right thing so much as you can show them the way. I think too often we think we can take a bad person, a person that's ornery, a person that's not doing their job and missing deadlines, and we can inspire them to get better. I don't know about that. I mean, you know, by the time you're, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, you're pretty much who you are. And uh, if you're not responsible, it's uh, we see it going on and on through life. And uh, so I would say uh, I would be careful about thinking that you are almighty God and you can inspire people to rise up and do the best thing. <laughs> right. Right. Just be so careful and hire better people. That's all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's coming through loud and clear in your message. And I know uh, for your books out there that I want to steer our listeners over to, you've got Career Magic, I think is your, your new one. You've got Time Management Magic, Creating Magic, and the Customer Rules. And the one, obviously, that spoke the most to me was Time Management Magic all about managing time. And we can get, you know, I've, I've said before, there's not enough time in the day. And then I realized, well, there's plenty of time in the day for everybody. It's just managing it the right way. What are the key principles in that book or any of your others that you feel would be helpful for our leaders today, our entrepreneurs, our managers, anyone just in a entrepreneurial type role looking to get more out of the day and manage time correctly, as you would coach them to do? How do we map that out the most efficiently? And how do you teach others to do that as far as the key principles behind it? Well, Jody and I have a time management course coming out shortly online that people can take, but I can tell you the same way I think about it. I have a good planner in my pocket, and I have an iPhone, uh, a Samsung Galaxy 7 phone, and those are two tools. I need both of them. 
So if you've read the book, you know that I really push for a paper planner because I, technology, while it's the answer to most things, it's not the answer to everything. And I would say every day you get up and you open that planner up and you got to decide what you're going to put in it today. And the first thing you think about is yesterday, what you didn't do so well, reflect on yesterday. So the next time you come up with that situation, you do it better. Who, maybe a client you need to call back, or some, a manager you need to sit down with again because you got busy and on the way home you re- realized you hadn't done as good as you should have. And then think about the responsibilities you have in your position, your family, your wife, your spouse, your children. Think about each one of them. Your, your aging parents, is that all set up? Do you have the wills in place? Your health, do you schedule your workouts and exercise? Because I guarantee you, if you don't get that one right, it'll be the biggest regret you have when you lose your health when you could have done something about it. Your mm-hmm. retirement, your own development, going to classes, taking courses, getting on the internet and learning more, becoming an expert in something. There's a whole long list of responsibilities we have, including relationships, staying in touch with customers. And you've got to figure out, first of all, who those are. And Jody and I were doing the time management seminar. The first section is going to be let's don't get into this system until we sit and all think about what we're supposed to be doing. Number one. Number two is what can we quit doing that doesn't even have any value, including people hanging out with people that are not positive and they're not good for you and, and, uh, and they waste your time. And um, think about what you, where you spend your time, where you don't spend it, where you should spend it, and try to figure out why you're not spending it there. And a lot of the reason you're not spending it there is because you're putting off the hard things. And I guarantee you, I tell everybody listening, think about one or two hard things in your life you've been putting off, and next week, go fix it. Go have that hard conversation. Go make that tough decision. Go do whatever you got to start exercising. Yeah, well, everything's hard before it's easy. And if you get started, it gets easy. And that's how I think about time management. And I go through my day, and I'm checking them off. I I plan that early in the morning. By the end of the day, I hope I have 80% of them done. And if I don't, I'll put them over to tomorrow or Saturday or whenever. But I know I'm better than everybody else because I at least I know what I didn't get done because I sit and think about it. Number one right. thing that people need to be doing is thinking. Sit and think about what am I doing today and where am I spending my time and what value do I get out of this? You spend money and time. You know, let me tell you, the time's much more valuable. You can get the money back. You can't get the time back. Oh, such a good lesson. Such a good lesson. I think you also said another uh, uh, phrase that I loved in there that the average person, you know, a lot of people dealing with burnout and, you know, fatigue, and maybe that's mislabeled as just not pursuing their passions as I'm learning as I get a little bit older here in life. But you said the average person is not overworked. They're just underorganized. I believe that 150%. It's amazing if you sit and organize yourself every day and do things in the right order and uh, it's just amazing. I think people can do 50% more than they're doing, but they're just spending too much time doing the wrong things. And why? And I think if people went deep and said, what value is this? I'm spending an hour on this or that or this or that. They, you can find so much time. It's unbelievable. And getting to the point with people, being clear, you know, and when we're clear with people and get to the point, instead of leaving them wondering what happened, you save time. You got to be clear. It's like your kids, you know, you got to be clear with them. It's the same. Uh, it's the same at work. Without clarity, nothing happens. And you got to be clear in your own mind what you're doing, why you're doing it, when you're doing it. And you just think about it. Uh, and I think about it in my house. Who's responsible for the culture and the environment in your house? The parents or the children? The parents. Sure. And the parents often misbehave. The kids, and then they get affected. And then next thing we know, they come to the workforce, and we have to deal with them. <laughs> so <laughs> That's right. Anybody can manage their time better. I guarantee you, if you want to. 
And you, you're not born disorganized. It's a course. It's a class. You can learn to do it like you can learn to do it like you ride a bike or learn to use a computer or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll link everything up in the show notes here. And I would love to know whenever we get ready to uh, the very end of the show here. And I'm asking about your website and where people can find you better. Just be sure and remind me because I want to let everybody know about your new course that you just mentioned that's coming out because I, I want to make sure that uh, that everyone knows about that. But when it comes to organization and it comes to today's leaders, uh, you know, I've fallen into this trap as well of uh, feeling like, okay, there's probably enough time in the day, but just with everything, all the noise, it really is noise going on out there. You have the best of intentions sometimes, but with everything going on around you, it's just too much. It's way too much. And all the dings and alerts and emails and everything going on, I've recently started saying, okay, I'm just going to take notes of things and I'm going to print certain articles out and I'm going to lay them out of my desk. And then that way I can make sure I get to them. Well, now I've got hundreds of notes and hundreds of articles stored on the phone and on the computer. And and now that's becoming noise, right? I thought that would simplify things. And so I'm learning to deal with that this year and becoming more of a minimalist, you know, and just cutting out so much to where I can uh, do deal with less is more. But I'd love to hear it from you. What would you tell leaders today who are trying to figure out how to take it to the next level in their operations in 2017, cut through the noise and really get crystal clear with all the chaos around us. What are the the noise eliminating things out there that you think could help leaders be better and be more clear and uh, on point with their focuses? Well, one thing I really subscribe to is routine. I have a very routine life. I mean, sure, other things happen, but mostly every morning I get up and go to Starbucks at 630. I Stay there for about an hour. I meet with people there if they want to meet me. I read the New York Times. I have a reader file, like you just said, print out articles. I put them in there, and I sit there and have my coffee and put my feet up and read these things and stay up to date. I would say you can turn those, a lot of those notification sounds off. Uh, I had a client I worked with. He had so many emails. He, I mean, hundreds. And I told him, for, number one, that is the email for his secretary. And then he, you get a new one and only give it half a dozen people that are important in your life. You know, and your best clients so that nobody can send you notes or you you got a private number that people can text you that only half a dozen people have. You can work this out. You can get out of this system. I mean, you don't have to read those emails every time they blink or those uh, text or and I tell people, uh, you know, uh, you got to let people know how, you, you know, if you text me, I may not call you back for a half an hour, hour. If you really need to talk to me, you pick up the phone, call me. If it's an emergency, but don't rely on me to go looking at my email and my text every 30 seconds because that gets you unfocused and you can't do two things at a time where thought was required. If you're dealing with somebody, you got to deal with them. Then when you want to deal with your email, stop and deal with your email. And then when you want to deal with another person or a guest or a customer, you deal with them one at a time. And people are not learning how to control themselves. And to, and most people have not had a time management course, frankly. They don't even know half the theories of this whole thing. And, and a lot of this stuff is caused because it's just become peer pressure in life. Everybody's doing it. Everybody uses a phone instead of a planner because they don't know why. They just, everybody went there. So they went there too. And they used to be more organized when they had a planner. But no, they, you know, peer pressure. My grandkids hate my planner. They think I'm like an, a dinosaur. But I tell them, listen, guys, I'm more organized than all of you put together. And that's how you get those iPhones and those Christmas presents and that money sent to you. And uh, when you text me, I, your name comes up because I got you on special here. And when I text you, I don't even hear from you. So let me tell you, don't tell me about a paper planner. It's what makes the world go around for me. 
Well, confession, I used to make fun of my wife for digging out her paper planner until I read your book and I don't make fun of her anymore. <laughs> I always say, why do you, why do you care around that, that paper planner? You know, it's 2016. Let's, you'll put your stuff in your phone and you can get reminders and you can get, and then I read your book and I'm like, okay, maybe she knows something. I don't know. That's good. I've heard you say, uh, uh, there's three things each day that you really rely on and it's uh, self, which mainly you're talking about your health your family, your finances, and your business. And I know you're a really big guy on health, just in your writings and the things that I've seen on you, health and creating energy. And you said that that's what really leads to your success. And you just alluded to it a few minutes ago that if we don't get that part of it right, we're really going to regret it. Uh, what could you tell people today that are younger than you uh, that really have a an opportunity to set their path on, or set their health patterns on a good course today? What would you tell them about the importance of health and how that has led to your creating energy and more success? I'd tell them you can do, be, get away with anything until you hit 30. So I started, when I was 28, I started running. I started running. I've been running all these years. I'm 72 now. I exercise every day. I have a Stairmaster. I do it at 4 o'clock. It's part of my routine. <laughs> and uh, I have strength training twice a week with a trainer, Tuesdays and Fridays at 940. And it's rough and it's tough. And I'm stronger now than I was when I was 20. I have a lot of energy. I can stand up and do an eight-hour seminar which a lot of people can't, <laughs> and uh, I watch wow. what I eat, and I get enough sleep, and without energy, I think two things happen. You can't get up and do your job, because when you feel bad, you don't want to be, and you're not sharp, and people know. People know if you're passionate, and if you're excited, and you you can get them excited, and uh, energy is everything. I mean, energy makes everything else go, and uh, it's sleep, diet, and uh, Exercise. Those are the three. And then other people might tell you and drugs, but I would say no. I would say <laughs> just get sleep and that'll renew you. Get your diet right and quit eating some of that stuff you're eating. And it's the same old story. It's hard. Sure, it's hard, but you're going to be healthier. You're going to feel better. You're going to be around for your great grandkids uh, to meet them and get to go to your grandchildren's weddings and uh, otherwise. So I say if you won't do it for yourself, do it for your family. Yeah, that's great, great advice. And I think so many times in today's society, it's easy to put off the working out. I know I'm guilty of this sure. as well. You you know, I learned about a morning routine and over the last couple of years and getting out of bed early and what benefits that can bring to do certain yeah. things. And at one point it was working out and now it's filled with other busy things that are good. But many times the working out gets pushed to the side because I won't have time to do other things if I go work out and spend an hour at the gym, you know. But that's one of the things as we get older, like you said, Everything's fine until you hit 30. I mean, that's a, that's a very good takeaway from this is that, uh, you know, you can you can fake it, you can muscle it through, and you can just <laughs> grind yourself down. And then at some point in your life, uh, you cannot do that anymore, right? And I'm, I've learned that uh, for sure. As we get ready to wrap up the podcast here, Lee, so appreciative of your time. Uh, the last question I would ask you here is what would you tell yourself at 30 or 40 years old? If you can look back that far 30, 40 years old, based on what you know today, what would you go back and tell yourself as the biggest learning lessons that others can also learn from? I would say, number one, don't underestimate what you can do with your life. Don't underestimate the influence you have on other people. Don't underestimate that it's never too late to get better. I don't care how old you are. It's never too late to get healthier. It's never too late to improve your marriage, improve your relationships. Believe in yourself and believe that you can do these things. That's the one thing I had to learn. It's never too late. And each one of us has a huge influence on other people every day. And don't underestimate that. And have a good conversation with yourself about some things you could improve on. And if you don't know, if you have a wife like mine, you'll get a lot of feedback. And uh, she's working on me. <laughs> That's and good. So, 
I told her I was a 10. She said, yeah, maybe for your grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all need to. So that's like the kind that of stuff life. you got to, that's what's going to get you in trouble. If you don't take care of yourself, you cannot take care of your job. If you don't stay healthy, you can't help other people be healthy. If you don't make money, you can't give money to people. I mean, you got to do it all yourself well if you want other people to do it. And uh, we've got to take that responsibility on, not just to say, well, poor me. I grew up in a little farm. My mother's married, and I'm going to blame her. My mother did the best she could. She was a survivor. And I. And I, by the way, you said earlier about uh, the higher you go, the target on your back. My father-in-law was an admiral in the Navy, and he said, Lee, always remember, the higher you go, the closer you get to the door. And, That's uh, right. So I remember that all the time. I really appreciate you having me on tonight. It was great. And uh, I wanted to definitely know how we can steer listeners your way to get your books and more of your knowledge and uh, especially the seminar that you mentioned that you guys are going to be doing here pretty soon. Yeah, well, I, everything's on my website right now, com, and the books and the, our podcast Jody and I do and a blog and uh, uh, daily thoughts and uh, how to buy the books and how to uh, – we got all the seminars that I teach are on there, my address, my phone number's on there so you can really reach me. Uh, I'm not hard to reach. You don't have to fill out some form and send it to me. You can just call me. Somebody said, why do you answer your own phone all the time? I said, because I book more business that way. Yeah, everything's on my website, and Jody and I are going to roll out this time management seminar in the next few days. It's exciting, and we've been working on it and finally got it done. That's great. Well, I will link everything up in show notes, and I, I lied to you because I said I had one last question, and I thought it was my last question, but I think this one's so important. I want to get it out real real quickly before we end here. Even the greatest, you know, the greatest players still need a coach. You look at, you know, the the best of the best out there, and they would tell you, the better I get, the more I need a coach. And I'm always curious with guys in your position uh, who are putting out great information out there, writing books, helping a lot of people through time blocking and things like that. I'm just curious to know who you might be taking advice from or impacted your life the most that maybe is still out there that we could glean from as well. Well, I, I always tell people my mother was a disciplinarian. She, uh, we talk, I tell people she was a terrorist before they had them in the world. She made us do what we're supposed to do. <laughs> and then my grandmother gave me the empathy. She was the nicest person I've ever known. And uh, then I had two bosses who helped me with some of my personal problems, being defensive and uh, being insecure. And they set me down and told me one time, they said, Lee, do you realize the whole world does not revolve around Lee Cockerell? Get over it. And they've drove me to a better place. And I've had those mentors. And certainly and now I even listen to my wife. I've learned to, that's a better way to do it. And my wife has great insights and she, her intuition's great. And she helps me with the, she sees me different than I, you know, I think I'm great and she thinks I'm good. So uh, <laughs> she's, she's uh, she gives me great advice on how to handle things. She took my Facebook page away when I was being too mean to people about the election she monitors it now and coaches me every day on it. So that's uh, good. That's good. That's a great. That's a great partner to have for sure. It is, and you know, and I, I used to be defensive, so she didn't tell me so much because I'd get in arguments with her. Yeah, I'm right, and it's not my fault. And but now I understand it is my fault, and uh, I value somebody telling you the truth. Not many people do that, especially as you get higher up. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time here today. I'm glad we were able to connect and I will link everything up, like I said, on the website and uh, hopefully steer more people your way so that you can impact them through the things that I've been able to benefit from in your books and look forward to the time management seminar that you guys have coming out and certainly wish you the best in all of your future endeavors. Thanks, Jared. Great to be with you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, guys, I loved having Lee on the show today and hope you take the time to go check out his website 
his books, and especially his Time Management Seminar. And again, that link is timemagicseminar.com. If you want to connect directly with me and my team, you can email us at info at success101podcast.com or catch me in the world of social media on Facebook and Instagram at success101podcast or on Twitter at Warren Jared. I hope you guys have an incredible week this week as you get more organized, sharpen your leadership qualities, and learn more about organization and time management through Lee's teachings and concepts. I'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Success 101 podcast. Until then. <laughs>